welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another issue of the Star Wars Spinner Rack, a podcast all about those comics from a galaxy far, far away. That's right, you've turned into the place where we and our comic co-hosts are going to be breaking down Star Wars comic books week by week. And for this issue number eight, we're going to be breaking down all Star Wars comic books that were released by Marvel Comics in the month of May 2015. My name is Jake Stevens, and joining me once again, and as always, he's the master of ceremonies over at our parent podcast, Galaxy of Toys, Jason. Happy summer to you. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jake. Yeah, you uh, you said earlier you're in a pretty good mood. Is I'm in a good Wars? mood. Yeah, Star, Star Wars. Wars. I'm getting excited. I'm getting real excited. What are you Can't most wait. excited for? What for are you the, most excited for? For the Force Friday. Force Friday. So you're skipping <laughs> San Diego and you're going yeah. straight to September 4th. Yes. The summer can't end soon enough for me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the first be. time in my life I've wanted summer to be over. Also joining us on the coast, another Washingtonian. He, you can find him also on this parent feed over at... Star Wars Collecting Cosmos. You can also find him on Facebook at the Ewok Builders Club. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, just fine. Just fine. And um, now your Ewoks are going to be uh, highlighted again here soon. Why don't you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, we, the Saddle Mariners are doing a Star Wars night coming up on uh, June 19th, and they invited us Ewok Builders to bring our Ewoks and show them off of the game. So, uh, as well as the 501st and the Rebel Legion, the Ewoks will also be at the Mariners game on the 19th. Awesome. This is their uh, third appearance, if I'm uh, keeping track, correct? Uh, I believe so, yes. Third public appearance. Probably well, third of many, so awesome. Fourth if you count when we went to the Redwoods. But... Oh, that's true. That's true. You did get some uh, good Twitter and uh, Facebook post by uh what the national park yeah national park service yeah awesome awesome stuff and also joining us tonight once again we're so happy to have him back um between uh you and me guys don't tell carlos but i got a lot of good positive feedback about having carlos on the call uh people enjoyed him he brings with him tons of wealth of information and that information comes from the fact that he runs a fantastic facebook page called star wars comic books it's just about one of the premier sites uh pages on facebook where you can find all information pertaining to artists previews variant covers um release dates it is essentially a very very uh, valued resource for me and many other comic collectors. So joining us tonight once again, Carlos Munoz. How are you, my friend? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great. Down here by the border, far south as you can get, just about. Now I bet the uh, temperature is probably always real hot for you, huh? Yeah, I mean we're still kind of like remember that uh, celebration weather. That's pretty much what it's like all the time. <laughs> Does it get right. old? Does it get old, or do you do you have you no. ever lived anywhere with seasons like proper? I lived in Germany for four years with very marked seasons, so I know how that's like. And I also lived in Miami, Florida, for a while, where it's just hot or not hot. And um, <laughs> but yeah, here it's kind of like you kind of wish there was rain every once in a while. And when it does get a little rainy, then everybody goes out and gets 
you know, does a little dancing in the rain because it's so far between the rain call. So, yeah, well, it's, we enjoy it. That's good. Well, as long as you love it, that's what's important. And uh, come fall, if you uh, want some real rain, you come on up, visit us in Seattle, and you can that's dance good. for 15 weeks on end. Yeah, oh, dance with the Ewoks. It's true. Um, now, Carlos, you um, uh, are involved with the San Diego collecting community down there. Uh, are you guys uh, involved at the uh, big Comic-Con coming up? Yeah, actually, I'm a part of the San Diego Star Wars Society, uh, which includes a lot of collectors and uh, you know a lot of different fan bases from everything from prop builders to costumers. Uh, you know, members of the Rebel Legion 501st and Mando Mercs are in our club, and we're in their club. But so we kind of cross pollinate quite a bit. And yeah, we'll have a booth again this year at San Diego Comic Con up in the mezzanine level with all the other fan clubs. And um, because we do have so many collectors in our in our society, that we tend to kind of help each other out, and when one of us is working in the booth, the other one's out running around trying to get exclusives and so forth. So we kind of try to help each other and make sure we don't miss out on any goodies, and then, of course, some of us get to go and work backstage with some of the panels as well. So hopefully we're for Friday we'll get uh, get in on, into some things a little bit earlier or at least get front row seating again. <laughs> uh, and you'll be updating, I'm sure, all comic book news on your uh... Facebook feed, no Absolutely. doubt. Yeah, I'll be I'll be doing it via Twitter, but I have my Twitter feeding the page as well, so it'll, it'll cover both. Perfect. Both. And what's the Twitter uh, handle for those who want to follow that way? At SW Comics. Just this last week, they announced. Uh, seems like the first order, the new uh, version of Imperials or Stormtrooper, is going to be the uh, focus for a lot of different collectors. Carlos, are you going after any of those? Um, yeah, you know what? I'm not a six, six inch Hasbro collector. I'm, I'm three and three quarters exclusively, but I did break down and get the uh, large Jabba and, and Han and Carbonite last year. And uh, this one, uh, First Order Stormtrooper, looks pretty cool, so I might just go for it. Uh, I did get the Boba Fett, and uh, I'm sorry, the, the Jabba didn't have the Han and Carbonite. Jabba was the the day, the, right? It came with the, the uh, yeah, the Dias. Yeah. Yep. And it was the uh, the Boba Fett and the Han mm-hmm. and Carbonite from the previous year. So I've kind of gotten those, even though I'm not, like I said, not a six-inch collector. But uh, but this one looks really cool, and just because it's going to be one of the first toys from the new movie, I think it probably have a little bit of extra, you know, extra bonus. Uh, woohoo! I kind of got it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's that would be definitely a great piece to have. So I've had horrible luck trying to score Hasbro uh, exclusives. On the uh, internet, after they've come out, you know how they put them up on their website. So, unfortunately, I'm already making peace for probably not having these pieces. But um, you, you but know, yeah, Jake, it's really not any easier at the con either. I know that's true. And Ryan, you are a you are a vet now of uh, the Comic Con, so you're going after a couple of these, yes, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm planning on getting the Six Inch Stormtrooper and the Hot Wheels car. Perfect. Yeah, I definitely might. I definitely want a Hot Wheels car. I'm a completist on that so far, so we'll see how I end up getting one of those. Did you um, see the announcement today that they said there's a slight difference in the car that they'll have at Comic-Con than what will be uh, released later on? Yeah, see, and I knew that was going to happen, and that makes me want it even more. It's not much. It's it's rubber tires and a protective clamshell case. Oh, so it's kind of like the Hot Wheel they did with Vader. They had the fancy case and I think rubber tires. Well, so, it's not going to have a fancy case. It's just a clamshell, plastic, yeah, clear plastic clamshell. It wasn't. Okay, 
cool. I did not see that, but um, it's good to know. Jason, this is turning into uh, Galaxy of Toys over here. That's but, uh, okay. <laughs> are you into uh, these exclusives they're showing? I do not go after the Comic-Con exclusives. I've never gone after them. I don't, I don't think I have any of them. I might have one. I'm not sure, but uh, I've just never gone after them. They've never... I don't know. It just never made it like the, the, the price for the value just never matched up with me. But if they put something out that's uh, the Force Awakens, like that uh, six inch uh, First Order Trooper, may I, I probably will try to get the get that. Well, we're way off topic now. We got to get back on this focus here of our uh, podcast here. And that would be Star Wars comic books. Now, before we get into our books, though, we uh, want to run uh, run down. What little news we've had. We haven't had too much since our last show. Um, trying to get on a little more regular basis. We may have this show coming at you uh, not too long after the p- previous one. Uh, News-wise, for uh, month of May, they released a preview, a couple-page preview without dialogue for Lando number one. And Lando number one drops in July. Uh, Jason, were you able to uh, take a look at this preview? Yeah, I did take a look at it. Uh, looks interesting, and uh, some of the panels have Lobot in them. So, hey, that's good. More Lobot. <laughs> that's why I came to you first. I know you're a Lobot <laughs> fan. Uh, one of the panels I saw looked like Lobot was chilling at the bar. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's cool. That's cool yeah, to see Lobot. It seemed to me like so. First, Land in the first few panels, Lando's having you know. His sweet talking, smooth self, talking to this lady in bed, and all of a sudden she pulls a gun on him, and we don't know really what happens after that. And then the next panel is basically, or the next uh, preview is basically Lando and Lobot chilling out at a bar, and Lando's just you know spilling his guts and telling him, telling Lobot all his problems or something. And there's this one scene where Lando, it looks, I mean, I had to look really closely, but I thought he was like inhaling one of those asthma inhalers, but it's actually <laughs> it was a drink that he's actually chugging. But it just looked kind of funny. I'm like, well, look at Lando. He's just back there like, hey, I can't believe I ran out of breath. That's funny. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think uh, from the preview they put up there, I think it's definitely, uh, for me, pulling a James Bond vibe. So that would, yeah. be, a, that would yeah. be a fun angle to take for Lando, in my opinion. We know he's a smooth talker, and that's what James Bond is. We know he's you know, good at getting himself in and out of situations. We've seen him do that recently in Rebels. So I say bring it on if that's if that's the angle they're going. But we'll find out in a month or so. Now, uh, Ryan, Lando number one, of course, I think we all predicted this. I know that I predicted it uh, in an article I wrote not long ago for uh, from forlamdezuckus.com, uh, my action figure-based website. Uh, Lando's getting his own action figure uh, variant cover. Are you going after this one, of course? I guess I'll have to, although I ha- I've been kind of falling behind on those lately. Um, but I don't think I have uh, the, the 3PO one. No, I don't have 3PO yet. I never got fat, so well, we'll see. I-, I-, I was hoping for a Lando General card, though. So. Lando General. Well, that would be, that'd be jumping forward in the series quite a bit. We... The time frame for this series, Carlos, have you has it been locked down? The time frame for no, this? No, I have not seen anything exact um, on this time frame. Um, hmm. Yeah, with the previews so far and just the uh, solicitation, it really doesn't give us much. Uh, I mean, no. 
other than it's in, be, in between, before Empire, definitely, but it doesn't give us, you know, exact, um, you know, exact timeline kind of reference, so. Jason, what's your preferred time frame for this, if you had to choose when this could take place? Gee, I would say uh, the we, uh, lead, I'd like it to, to lead right up to uh, Vader showing up on Cloud City. Oh, I'd like cool. it to lead into that and, and get more of a backstory on how that all went down. Carlos, you are, uh, I believe you keep a great record uh, spreadsheet of when these uh, comic books are coming out, and we seem to be getting a couple more delays coming up. Uh, do you know which books exactly are getting delayed for upcoming yes, releases? Uh, yes, the last uh, announcement was made for, looks like the Star Wars line is getting a bit of a delay. Number seven, which is the standalone Kenobi tale, uh, is getting delayed from 8 July now to 29 July, so almost an, almost the entire month of a delay there, three weeks. Um, that, in turn, then um, basically delays number eight, which was due out 29 July. That will be now 5 August. So still, still some delays going on there in the production side of the Star Wars line. Uh, I haven't seen anything else on Vader, which, which we look to see when it's when the story kind of matches up and goes into a concurrent mode. So if there's delays in Star Wars, I would not be too surprised if we saw a delay in Darth Vader as well. So we've already discussed San Diego Comic Con, but what we didn't say is that Star Wars is going to be uh, Star Wars is going to have their own day once again. It's going to be Friday. There's going to be tons of panels and they're bringing Star Wars to Hall H, which is the last few years has been home to uh, Marvel Studios and their big things. So, Ryan, you'll be camping out for Hall H on this San that, Diego Comic-Con? That is correct, yes. Awesome, awesome. So we look forward to following your posts. I'll be posting updates uh, from at SWCCPDCAST uh, while I'm at Comic-Con. The unfortunate thing with doing Hall H this year, because they're doing the Star Wars panel on Friday, is I'm actually going to miss out on the Hasbro panel as well as like the the collecting panel and all the like the high end collectibles panel as well, because those are also on Friday and I'll be in Hall H all day, so I will miss a lot of that stuff. Uh, I would suggest if you want coverage on that to go check out Star Wars Action News because I know they'll be doing live updates from there. Next on the news docket was uh, Carlos. You had some extra tidbits about some exclusive comic that's already gone on sale for a comic that won't actually be released in stores for a couple months. How about you tell us about that? Okay, yeah. Um, so Alex Maleev and uh, Charles Soule, they're the uh, the creators behind Lando, um, Alex being the artist and Charles the writer. Uh, basically, in the Charles Soule blog, he posted back on 10 June, uh, they, they created a special variant for Lando number one. Uh, looks like a pretty nice uh, cover. And they started selling them. Um, basically, if you wanted to know more about it, like details, you just they provided an email, you sent an interest email, and they wrote back promptly saying the unsigned versions would be $20, uh, shipping included, and signed versions would be $25. The unsigned versions would start shipping sometime around July 8th when the when Lando number one is due out, and the, un, the signed versions would be out probably a couple weeks later when they got together and got all the copies signed. So uh, I took a look at the cover itself. It was on their blog. It looks really nice. It's it's you know it looks more like a movie poster, but it's pretty cool. 
And uh, it's kind of like on the same line as what John Tyler Christopher did with his uh, Boba Fett cover, uh, action figure cover, uh, just last month. So it uh, looks like some of the artists are getting in on the action with all the variant frenzy. Yeah, Marvel letting them take home a piece of the pie. Oh, yeah. The other thing we, while we're on the topic of Comic-Con, is also Lando-related, um, kind of, is, um, well, actually, no, it's not Lando-related, just because it's July 8th, that's why I keep thinking of the same thing, but uh, Comic-Con will have artist Eddie Granoff, who does the Darth Vader covers, and Mark Brooks, who does the Kanan covers, uh, will both be signing at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, so if you want to get your comic books autographed or meet the guys, get pictures with them, they'll be there. All right, and that wraps us up for uh, news. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to make it clear that uh, the spoiler policy for this show is that we will be spoiling everything that came out in May of 2015. So you make sure that you've read those books before going any farther because we'll be talking about story points, plots, developments. So make sure you've read those books. If not, come back and join us later after you have. Time for the patent Death Star rating system. What we're going to do is we're going to break down each book released in May 2015 with our Death Star rating system. And how this works, if you join us for the first time, is one Death Star is represents essentially the Death Star plans, as is, as is they need to go back and replan this series, just not working well. Two Death Stars is an unfinished uh Death Star, but it's kind of got some protection. It's not too bad. It's kind of got the Force Moon there, Energy Shield. So... Not bad, but not great. And then three Death Star is a complete and fully functional Star Wars story. Still protecting your precious crew. <laughs> Quite admirable. And what I want to know is about the other rebels. Codename Fulcrum. I know nothing of a larger rebellion. And if I did, I'd rather give my life than tell you. So heroic. Just like your master. Tell me, Jedi. How did you survive Order 66? Hmm? It was your master, Vilaba, who laid down her life for yours. Do you remember her last word to you? Her last and final breath before she died? You do, don't you? You see it in your sleep. You'll hear her voice when you wake. Tell me, Jedi, what was her last word to you? Run. On May 6, 2015, saw... Kanan, The Last Padawan, issue number two. And the solicitation for that book, which is written by Greg Wiseman and illustrated by Pepe Larraz is the interior artist. And the solicitation says, his master betrayed and killed. Young Caleb Doom is alone. When being a Jedi makes him a target, that can, what can a Jedi, Padawan do? Continuing the story of the birth of Star Wars Rebels, Kanan Jarrus. Now, what I thought was interesting about this story, it has a great tie-in, Fire Across the Galaxy. And if you're not watching Star Wars Rebels, Fire Across the Galaxy was the season finale. 
Jason, do you appreciate the uh, tie-in that the story group is doing here to link all these together? Uh, yeah, I I kind of figured it was a given that they'd have to mention that, just considering the the storyline. I mean, that's basically the story is kind of based on what was kind of explained in that last episode, of, or not like uh, one of the final episodes of Rebels from last season. Um, I, I've made no secret. I'm not a huge Rebels fan yet. Maybe I will become one. But uh, so the tie-in was fine for me, but it didn't really add or detract from the story for me. What I thought was really interesting, and Carlos, I'll go to you with this, is the fact that <clears throat> Caleb's perspective, he's essentially having to turn on his close friends, and it's a different perspective. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he does consider them friends. And he, But by him saying that, was kind of like, you know, it just kind of hit home. And I think he was just more in shock than anything else. Like, how could this be happening? We were just, you know, joking and, you know, basically talking about this and that. And, uh, yeah, I think he just he's completely just dazed and confused, if you want to use that term. But he's, he's just in shock. And, uh, uh, you know, she's telling him to run, and he's kind of still sitting there like, wait. And then, you know, well, if you're going to stand there, fight. Well, he's still, he's still kind of like, what? You know, what's going on? So, uh, yeah, I think it's it, it it it's something deep. I mean, it really troubles him to the point where it just he freezes up. He doesn't know what to do. He can't believe it. Um, yeah, and the the fruit thing with the Miller run, it's it's kind of like another cool, nice little Easter egg throwback to to Rebels. You know, and kind of like you were saying how. There's, there's these little tie-ins that the story group is putting together. Um, but his, his overall demeanor at the time is just utter shock. Yeah, and I'm glad you say shock because that's one thing I had in my notes here is that LaRoz does a great job capturing emotions from young Kanan. See it in his eyes. Yes, yes. And I think that is something that is really, um, I, throughout the book, you can see when he's shocked, when he's frustrated, when he's nervous. Uh, he really... Again, I mentioned last episode that I really like the art that LaRoz is bringing. It's more of a comic book aesthetic than a realism. And uh, he does a great job with this book. You know, and I think this book has done what maybe even Revenge of the Sith didn't even pull off, if I could say that, is because you never talk, you never see Obi-Wan go, I don't know how Cody could do this to me. Right. And you And you never see, you know... Any of the clones say, you know, Bakira, stop, you know, before they're being shot down. They just immediately go into defensive mode, and most of them are just, you know, struck down at that point. So this is, this brings up a, a, a connection, an emotional connection that maybe was a little dry from Revenge of the Sith. I agree. Maybe that's a special edition down the road for Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. I think the uh, Clone Wars, the uh, the Clone Wars animated series really added a lot to the clones, and I think the reason why we care about the clones now is is mainly from that show. That's a good point. No, I think you're exactly right. I think you know who didn't uh, cheer, and I was surprised. I was so happy myself when we saw Rex survived Order sixty six and didn't turn on the Jedi you know, in the uh, preview clips for Season 2 of yeah. Rebels. I mean, b before the Clone Wars uh, cartoon series came out, I just looked as the at the clones as stormtroopers who are eventually going to be evil anyways. I never really cared about them that much. They were just stormtroopers to me. 
and through the animated series from uh, Dave Filoni, you really learn that they're they're not the stormtroopers. Caleb escapes to Plateau City on the planet Kalar that he is on, and he begins dumpster diving just to kind of survive while he's living off the land. He's now on the run, like many Jedi who survived Order 66, until he comes across Janus Kazmir, and he is a Kalarian. He is an alien that lives on this planet here, and he definitely was not a supporter of the Jedi, but now that he sees the Jedi have turned against the clones, or the clones have turned against them, He's maybe not always on the up and up. Sounds like he's kind of a scoundrel-type character, Han Solo-ish. He takes mercy on Kanan and gives him a little rest and a little food here. Ryan, thoughts on the fact that uh, (laughs) he dressed little Caleb up as a Jawa? (laughs) Well, it's not that far off of what he's usually wearing. I mean, he's got the, the whole robe thing, so, I mean, it's not terribly different. I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. And that leaves us, uh, Jason, we're going to start with you. Uh, overall thoughts and maybe a rating. Death Star 1, 2, and 3 on Kanan number 2. I think I gave the first issue of this a 3 Death Star rating. Um, I'm not going to go that far with this one. I just don't think this one was as good as the first issue. So I'm going to go down to like 2 stars for this one. Okay, 2 stars. Ryan? Uh, I will go with two and a half stars. I thought it was pretty good. The action, it was nice. Um, it, it worked really well for me. Uh, yeah, two and a half stars. Perfect. Carlos? I'm going to go, I, I'm gonna agree with Jason, but I'm still going to give it three stars because overall, yeah, you expect number one to be, you know, bang right out of the shoot, but this one is still continuing that storyline, and the cliffhanger is still there. And like you said, I can't wait to find out what how he gets out of this thing. Um, so the, the momentum is still kind of going. It may not be as, as bang zoom as the first one, but, uh, definitely, yeah, that's, I'm still kind of like hyped, hyped up about it. So I'm still staying with three. Going three. All right. So still two and above for all of you, uh, so far. I, uh, enjoyed this issue, but I thought it went too quickly. I felt like it was just essentially order 66. He ran into town, he stole, the air, he stole the aircraft, and he went to Coruscant, and it was over. So it seemed like, even though we had a normal 32-page book, it went pretty quickly. There wasn't too much that occurred, essentially, in this book. So I'm going two and a half for this one. May 6th, 2015, also brought us Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, a hardcover. Now, this here is what's being called the remastered edition, and this is not a new work by Marvel. This is collecting Star Wars 1 through 6 from 1977, and this is what we've talked about before on the show. This is the original comic adaptation that's been remastered, and when they see remastered, this is actually has the same line art, but now it's been colored completely new by Chris Sotomayor. Carlos, you have this. You still stand by it. You think uh, it's fun to have as a completist, but maybe someone getting into uh, someone who might have these already might not need it. Yeah, that's still kind of my stance. I mean, I do have a long winded, you know, my thoughts on this kind of, I've actually researched a little bit on other remastering that um, non star Wars comic books, just to see how other, um, genres have treated this or what people have said and stuff. And I kind of tend to agree with some of their, 
thoughts and debates on the issue. Um, well, what's, overall, the big, what's the big What's the big debate on these? Well, I think people have three general questions. First, they ask, you know, should publishers, you know, do they consider this a necessity to recolor? Is it just a money-making kind of grab? Um, or is it that old-fashioned colors are just a turnoff to modern-day readers, you know, with modern techniques? Uh, then the other question was, do, do changing the colors change the actual comic? You know, these are all valid questions, I think. Um, and the thing is, basically, I see it as two things. It's like music. It's like, you know, co cover artists. It's the same song, but just a different artist, you know. Um, or perhaps a movie, a remake of a movie. You know, same movie, same script, just different actors. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of general generalizing a little bit, but at the same time, it's just, you know, what... You know, Marvel has said coloring methods used at one time actually hurt the finished product, and then um, remastered color now, this is their, their saying, uh, remastered color matches the creative vision. Well, I don't know. I think, you know, some of that creative vision back then was to make things look, you know, for the mood and the setting the, you know, the, I don't know, the, the, the settings, even though the colors weren't exactly true or real or movie-like. Um, it's still that's what made the comic a comic. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're valid questions, and I just I've kind of gone back and forth, and kind of like yeah, then I kind of agree, and then I go like no, so I'm kind of like on the fence every so often. But um, it's uh, for a collector. I mean, like I said earlier, like I said before, no, not really. It's not something that's essential as a collector collecting piece, but it is a novelty. It's 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 a standalone, I think, and. You know, you kind of have to kind of like it. And if, if you're into modern techniques of coloring, then you'll like it. If you if you like the old school flavor, then, you know, probably not for you. It's It all just depends. This is not the first time we're going to be getting this. I believe we have two more coming announced right. so far. They're going to do the trilogy, correct? Correct, yeah. That's coming through. So before November, we'll have all three. On May 13, 2015, we saw the release of Darth Vader number 5. This book continues to be written by Kieran Gillian and illustrated by La Roca, Salvador La Roca. And the solicitation for this book says, Vader continues his investigation into Emperor's secrets. Not everyone wants him to find out the truth. Who are Vader's mysterious new rivals? All right, this book takes place where our new team of allies here, we have Darth Vader joined by Dr. Aphra and her two recently required droids, 
triple zero and BT and a small army of battle droids. Now these guys are coming together. They have allied to infiltrate at the beginning here. In the outer rim, it is the base of one Silo Four, who we saw was an associate of the Emperor, and Darth Vader had hunted down and tortured for the location of this base. Now, this base turns out to be one of those swimming space whales from Avengers, in my opinion. Did anyone else get that same impression? Yeah, I was kind of thinking that, too, when I saw that. Yeah. Let's try to all... the longest time, like, where have I seen these before? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. This is a bit more grander in scale, but that is essentially what I saw when I saw that. Now, Ryan, you have to help me out with this because I'm not quite the, – the the story, the panel work here doesn't paint a clear enough picture for me. Does Vader bust into the side of this space well station from space? I kind of got that impression. I mean, it it sucks. You see things being sucked out into space from there, so he must have come through from the outside. That's the way it looks to me. And they show from the outside people being sucked out in the giant hole in the thing, so so I'd say yes. So, I mean, based on every space film I've ever seen, you, you can punch a hole in the side of a ship, walk through it, and then yet have everyone inside the ship sucked out of it? Well, this is Darth Vader. He's got the Force with him. I guess. I guess. And, and apparently magnetic shoes, because Afro does make a reference to his magnetic plates on his shoes. He does. Yeah, and it pretty much shows like his feet hitting the ground, and there's kind of a splotch below it, as if they're kind of magnetizing. Jason, were you, were you under the impression that Darth Vader's suit is a space suit? I don't really think it has... Yes, definitely. I'm, I, I've always thought Vader's suit was a space suit. I think that's the way McQuarrie designed it, so he could pass through ship to ship without, uh, with, and being able to breathe. I think that was one of the original ideas about Darth Vader. But um, I just took this as Darth Vader's got the Force, and he's going where he wants to go, and, and everything else doesn't, you know, physics doesn't really matter. He's got the Force. Okay, now did we see any... Do we see any foreshadow of that in the Clone Wars? Because Anakin puts on a spacesuit quite a bit I, in the Clone Wars. I'm just trying to figure out if I ever recall him doing things that didn't seem like an astronaut would be able to do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he did definitely use the spacesuit in Clone Wars. But uh, this is uh, – he's got the suit. He's got the force. He's got more midi-chlorians than anyone else in the galaxy. All right, so he infiltrates this base, and he essentially is looking for what he uh, has come to find. And it sounds like once they start to get inside the base, the subjects that he are looking for, him and his clone commando army, five, uh, I'll call them agents, replacements, rivals. Um, yeah, they obviously, replacements. Yeah. Yeah. They obviously train in this dojo. They believe at first this is an exercise, and before they realize that Vader steps in, and they go, no, this is what we've been training for. Carlos, when we applied this comic book to what we kind of think of comic book Vader in the past, and from my mind, uh, the Purge series comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Vader in the Purge from Dark Horse Comics oh, 10 years ago, maybe now, uh, he would make work of these wannabe Jedi in moments. Yet here we see them put up a fight before uh, the, the fight is called to stop. So any thoughts on that? The, the different portrayal here, Vader isn't quite as... Yeah. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit last uh, episode, last issue of the Spinner Rack, where, you know, we're just not seeing the same Vader we're used to, both in comic form and in movie form. Um, so, you know, his hesitation, his maybe overthinking this little bit, it's just not Vader-esque. I think he would just dispatch these two and kept, kept on moving, you know, go, getting to his target or his goal, wherever he needed to get to. Um it's not Anakin either. If you remember Anakin, it's like he didn't have time for this stuff. It was like he would run through this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm just seeing a little bit more just, you know, why why are they slowing him down so much? Is it, you know, they're trying to say, you know, he's just old and beleaguered and tired and just, you know, you know just out to get his own mission done without more of a, of a fight? Or is it just, you know, is he becoming more diplomatic and more of a, you know, kind of a spy trying to figure out what's going on. Um, he, yeah, he's playing more of an inquisitor role almost, even though he's not really, I don't know, just just odd to me. Uh, when he encounters both uh, Mort and Aelin, um, if you notice, one, he gets, I guess, trapped into this into this um, chamber. The door slams behind him, but if you look at the panel right, right immediately above that, uh, Moritz actually uses his hand, stretches out his hand, and it looks like he's using the Force, but if you look carefully at his fingers and his forehead, it looks like, you know, he's got these uh, electronic type, uh, I don't know what you call it, like circuit, circuitry mm-hmm. or board or something. And so, you know, and then Vader turns around and says, well, the door was not, you know, not of the force. That was trickery. And I just think at that moment, Vader is either confused and it either his own confusion slows him down or he just doesn't know what to do next. He doesn't know what he's up against. Yeah, it seems like these would be a pretty easy put down for Vader, but that's not quite how we're characterized in this in this series just yet. Um, now he stopped from destroying these two, so maybe we didn't even give him a chance yet because we see Silo appear. Ryan, were you expecting to see Silo come back so quickly? No. <laughs> but it's not Silo as we find out. It's uh, Silo 5. Apparently this guy can upload his consciousness. Um is that Star Wars, Jason? Is this Star Wars uploading your consciousness, traveling from this is body Star- to body? This is Star Wars comic books. You know, yeah. this is these are comic books. I I don't I don't really I can't you know the the comic books and the movies are so different for me, and I enjoy both, but I I really have a hard time um, comparing the two or contrasting the two because they're just two different things. So. Silo does reveal that these guys are the future and that these guys are bridge from the old way of the force to the new way. The emperor is here in person and the old world is something that Vader, that force is no longer relevant, that the, these are essentially Vader's children because they are teched out people, which Vader is teched out as well. But he also, of course, the human inside him still owns the Force. I, I don't know if I'm okay with the Emperor, the Emperor of all people, not supporting or valuing the Force anymore. 
I think it's a game. Um, I think the Emperor is just kind of playing the, the silo dude and using it to further some other project, to get something else he needs for something else. And, and I know I'm even using this, knowing what comes in the next comic and what happens in there. And while it doesn't seem to be going that way, I still think the Emperor's just just playing silo. He seems like, you know, he's he's Sith. He's, he's always been Sith. He wants to further the Sith to take over the galaxy. If he wanted, I mean, we see this in the movies. If he wants a replacement for Vader, it's going to be a Force user. I, I think there's some ulterior motive here, not not wanting these people to replace Vader. Yeah, I think the only person the Emperor ever really wants to replace Vader is Luke Skywalker. But these guys forget about it. And I'm really surprised Vader didn't just, like, take these guys out in five seconds, honestly. Jason, Darth Vader, number five. Um, it's a tough call for me. I will give this one two out of three Death Stars, I'd say. I enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed the other issues more, probably. But, uh... I'll go. I'll go. I'll go up to two on this one. Two out of three. Ryan, I'm gonna go one and a half Death Stars. Um, it's probably the lowest I've given any Vader comic. I, I just don't like these other characters. I don't see the point of all of this. I liked a lot of the other things that were going on, and I could see, you know, the Emperor playing people around. And if that's where it comes, it'll probably be better. You know, I think of Shadows of the Empire in much the same way that the Emperor was playing Shizor to get at, uh, you know, kind of ownership the of the crime syndicate type of idea rather than pitting him against Vader. I got the impression the emperor always knew Vader would take out Shizor. Um, it's kind of the same thing here. I'm pretty sure the emperor knows Vader's just going to dispatch these guys eventually, but there's some ulterior motive going on here. And I hope so because I don't like these people at all. All right, Carlos. I decided to give this two death stars. Um, I think that was kind of pushing it a little bit. Um, just, Again, Vader just didn't feel like Vader to me, um, for the reasons stated. And uh, <laughs> and a shout out to Tom Burgess here because when uh, Afra says, "Hey, this is the bad guy's secret base," how many of us, when we were eight, nine years old, didn't use the bad guy's secret base when we we're playing with our action figures? I mean, it was just kind of like, really, the bad guy's secret base? That's what you're gonna call this thing? Um, so <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. Good point. <laughs> And it just made it, you know, it, it did. It reminded me that, hey, I'm, I'm reading a comic book, and, uh, yeah, I can't I can't relate this to as I know him. So two, two Death Stars was, was pretty generous, I think, for me. I think I'm going to mirror Ryan's grade with uh, one and a half Death Star. This, this, I don't know, it's, it's losing the magic that it had for me uh, originally with these when this series took off, that's sad to say because we're only five issues in. We're not even a proper graphic novel story arc yet. So, yeah, it inconsistencies with the characters. I think with the story group, I would like to think that these would be super strong. And, you know, some of these comics are hit and miss with their characterizations. But right now this one's missing. Um, so, yeah, one and a half for me. Now, also released this uh, week of May 13th was Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The New Republic, Volume 1. Now, this is reprints of Dark Horse Comics that came out in years past. This collected Star Wars Mara Jade, The Emperor's Hand, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, and 
the Shao's Empire Evolution, Star Wars Jabba Tape, Star Wars Boba Fett, Twin Twin Engines of Destruction, and Star Wars Tales, a selection of comics there. Now, for most of us, we've read these issues before. And uh, Jason, you've read most of these, yes? I have read them all, all the original issues from Dark Horse. And I, these are very enjoyable comics. I'm going to guess you could find all these back issues cheaper than buying this collection. Yeah. I, at Emerald City Comic Con, uh, just this uh, past, what, past March? February? Fe- I think it was yeah. Mar- March. March. Um, I had uh, gone hunting for a couple issues that I was missing from Dark Horse, and I found the prices very reasonable, and a lot of issues you could get for a dollar or less of old Dark Horse issues. So I I couldn't – even if I didn't have these issues already, I couldn't justify uh, paying big bucks for a collection like this. I'd go find the originals. Sure. Do you have a favorite out of this selection? Hmm. I don't know. It's kind of It's kind of interesting how they grouped all these stories together that – didn't at the time at least seem like they all belonged in one um yeah it's a little bit i don't know deceiving in my mind because it says the new mm -hmm. republic and i essentially think of those as stories that specifically come after yeah turn of the jedi yet we have java stories here which wouldn't be possible we have shadows the empire stories which we know become come between empire and jedi so i don't quite get the naming of this album yeah, all of this stuff comes before Jedi. I don't think mm-hmm. any of this comes after Jedi. So it's kind of confusing. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do. Good stories, though. I can I can recommend the stories. And if you can find this cheap enough, I guess I'd get you could get it. But I, I would actually uh, suggest uh, just tracking down the back issues. Want a drink? I'm looking for someone. Came to the right place. A low-life death stick dealer. Just came in here. A lot of people come through here, friend. Listen, friend, I'm giving you a chance to save your club. Please, don't shoot. I'm just a bartender. I don't want any trouble. I'm just trying to run a clean place, you know? I bet. May 20th, 2015 brought us Star Wars number five, and this is Star Wars the Ongoing Series. This is being brought to us by writer John Aaron and artist John Cassidy. And it's continuing the adventures of our core characters who spin right out of A New Hope. And that would be Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, and the droids. The solicitation for this one is the greatest space adventure of all time continues. As Luke goes home in search for the truth about his later men- late mentor, Leia takes Han on a secret mission of vital importance to the Rebellion. And fortunately, they both run into some unfriendly encounters. This particular issue starts with Luke returning to Tatooine just a few weeks after the destruction of the Death Star to find Obi-Wan's hut in order to, I don't know, he doesn't quite know. He's being called to here. So that's how it opens. The depiction of Boba Fett in the opening also of this tracks Luke Skywalker to Tatooine as well. We know that he's been there before as he showed up just you know, movie-wise, in the special edition on Tatooine as one of uh, Jabba's thugs. But he essentially shows up uh, blasting his way, interrogating his way, slaughtering his way through different aliens trying to track down 
who Luke Skywalker actually is. Jason, they get to the cantina. Marvel brought Jabba back. They're old, they're old little Jabba from uh, from 77. Yeah. <laughs> he's I mean, back. He's, he's hiding there behind uh, yeah. Yeah. Boba. Yeah, what did they, I know I know he has a different name now, but uh, at one time Marvel considered most up. Yeah. yeah, right. So that was cool. Uh, this is a much, to me at least, this is a much different Boba Fett than we've seen before in like Dark Horse comics. This Boba Fett is brutal. He's mean. He is. Um, he's just different. He's 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 evil. He's evil, and I don't think Dark Horse ever presented Boba Fett as being evil. The fact that he interrogates essentially what looks like a child. I don't know if they meant yeah, to draw it. That's so what I, That's what I saw it as, a, a kid. I'm like, This is Whoa. a kid that knew, like maybe even looked up or had a brother who hung out with Luke. Um, get panics when Boba Fett's trying to beat up people in the cantina. And he interrogates him eventually and ends up shooting him dead. This Boba Fett is child murderer. This is not quite the Boba Fett that, I don't know, I don't think it's the Boba Fett that everyone's loved and has a huge following all these years. I completely agree. I was a little actually shocked um, when, you know, it's, yeah, for all, all, all of you guys, I think I've nailed it. I don't see him the way Dark Horse comics have portrayed him. The... What struck me was the artwork was pretty cool. Uh, John Cassidy is doing great, you know, great artwork of Boba Fett, but his actions, you know, and, and are just kind of like appalling a bit. They're just not really, I mean, you know, the whole WWF sequence with the six-armed guy, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, strapping the kid down like, you know, like a rodeo, and then, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't... <laughs> It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all. I'm, I'm kind of just speechless about it. Uh, I enjoyed this. I, I had no problem with uh, with Fett being so mean and that. He's, you know, he's got a bounty he's going to go after. He's going to do what he can. I, I did have a question. This kid that he, he takes out, uh, do you think this might be one of Luke's friends, like Windy or Deke or any of that? You know, it, so- it sounded like this kid didn't know him as well as maybe they did. You know, what, I mean, he just he referred to Luke as being called Wormy, which I thought was interesting. I, I really only knew that from the uh, the radio dramas. Radio drama. Was that covered in the original novel? It's been a while since I've read the. I don't remember. The original novel. I, I don't remember. That might be the first. I mean, essential. I guess in our new era, a new canonized version of that term, Wormy. You know, to 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 contrast this Boba Fett with how Dark Horse dealt with Boba Fett. There's a one of their comics was an original story based on the Force Unleashed two, and Boba Fett's tracking down Star Starkiller, mm-hmm. and he gets Starkiller in his sights, in his gun sights, as Starkiller is about to uh, kiss uh, his girlfriend in the comic book, and Boba Fett says decides not to fire. And says, I'll get you, but not now and not like this. Like, he wouldn't shoot the guy because the guy was embracing his, his girlfriend or something. And, and he just couldn't do it. Like, that is just, that is just completely different than uh, this, new, uh, this new Boba Fett from Marvel. This new canon Boba Fett. No, you're absolutely right. That, I can recall multiple stories in 
in Dark Horse where Boba Fett wouldn't kill you. He says, because what's the point? No one's paying me to kill you. Yeah. Like, he'll beat you up. He'll get the information. He'll do what he can to find his bounty. But if you're not his bounty, why is he going to waste time and energy? And I felt like that was the same Boba Fett that's going to draw that would that would have evolved from, you know, the young Boba Fett stories we saw in the Clone Wars throughout right. those seasons. But, you know, maybe they're setting Boba Fett up more so when he when he gets tossed in the Sarlacc pit, we, we can be even happier about it because he's a really bad person and he deserves to fall in the Sarlacc pit. He doesn't do anything heartwarming in the films themselves, so it doesn't really contradict the films. It just really contradicts what we've seen before in comics. Mm. Yeah, and, and Boba Fett has always been known as the ruthless bounty hunter, but we've never seen that ruthlessness. We see more the conniving, calculating, you know, very you know, methodical type Boba Fett you know, who's kind of pacing out somebody and, you know, kind of leading them into a trap rather than just going all out violent on everybody. But, yeah. Is this even a good strategy to publicly interrogate someone and then when they give you your information, you shoot them in the head? I mean, because then why would anyone ever talk to you? Because they know they're dead. Yeah, definitely definitely not, not uh, interrogation 101, no. That's not the only person that's acting unintelligent here. Luke, as he's uh, approaching Ben Kenobi's hut, he does not sense a attacking group of Tusken Raiders. Ryan, is can Luke sense? I mean, I feel like Luke was more aware of Tusken Raiders in A New Hope. Well, I, I think in A New Hope it was more of, you know, he expected them to be there. Whereas here, I don't know, he's not as in touch with the Force yet. He doesn't always sense those things. I mean, in A New Hope, he was he was surprised to hear Ben's voice, you know? He was surprised by these things. I, I, I'm not sure that he's, he's quite up to sensing in, people around in, there. In the novel Heir to the Jedi, which I believe the takes place after this comic series, I'm not positive on that. I still don't know the exact timeline. I think I mentioned this last time. I don't know. The, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Heir to the Jedi takes, after, takes place after these comics, so I'm not sure. But he's trying to learn the Force, and he, like, can barely move like a, a ramen noodle. Like, like that's really in the book. Like he's trying to move a noodle or something. So, his yeah. force, his force powers have not kicked in yet. Oh, definitely not. And but forget Luke. I mean, can't R two sense organic uh, beings? Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. I expect these flaws from normal Marvel comics because a writer writing Star Wars, I'm writing X Men today doesn't necessarily know or is in tune with the powers that Magneto had back in 73. And so he might make Magneto of 2015 maybe manipulate metal or do something different because, I mean, that's a huge history to follow. This here, this is only five issues in, and it's, you know, essentially you, you he's only going off of six movies. I mean, there should be some buddy who could cross-check those type of things. I feel like that is just... You know, writers who are given the characters but maybe don't know the characters, which is why our characterization characterizations are a bit flawed. Yeah, I believe the you know the Lucas Story Group. Those guys, are, I mean, they're doing a great job, and I think what they're doing is giving an overall direction of where they want the story to go. But I don't think they are very. Um, they're not well. They don't need to micromanage, but I don't think they're delving too deep into the characters themselves and the attributes that these characters bring to the to the comic from the movies or or the novels that are now canon. So I think they're missing the boat on that. Unfortunately, I mean, um, 
I won't mention the name here, but there was one Marvel editor on, on Twitter who couldn't spell Wookiee. So, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, really, guys, you know, you need to really up your, your game because these are, you know, Star Wars fans are ruthless, and, uh, you know, they're going to catch these things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Jason. I, I'd like to think that they are so busy structuring the story between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. There's just so much that they're working on that this stuff that happens between Star Wars and Empire is not high on priority lists. I hope so. I really do. <laughs> I, I'd have to think, yeah. And, and even with the novels that have come out in the, in the past six months, like there's not a lot... Um, nothing really epic is going on, and nobody's doing anything very important. Right, and in a year from now, these comics, I won't say they'll be forgotten, but the time period will be like, oh yeah, that happened between Star Wars and Empire, but everybody's going to be focused on, hey, what happened after Jedi? You know, that's what everybody wants to know. Yeah. Stories, I think, will be much more remembered or at least, uh, you know, scrutinized as far as for accuracy and screen, you know, uh, characterizations than these, and I think these will be forgiven. The story continues with Luke entering Obi-Wan's hut, who has been ransacked by Tusken Raiders, who are now fled the scene because he has a lightsaber. As he sorts through the mess, um, he's looking for something. He doesn't know what. He finds a box that says, For Luke, we've seen this foreshadowed before. And just at the end here, a uh, grenade or a what almost looks like a thermal detonator goes off which uh, we are now going to believe is a flash grenade because he says, I can't see, and Boba Fett enters the hut behind him. Like a flashbang, I think. Jason, we're going to start with you. What's your thoughts on number five? I'm going to I'm, – again, I'm going to just stick with what I've been doing and just say I will give this one two out of three Death Stars. Uh, the story is not – getting kind of a little stale and – um, I'm not. I'm a little conflicted on how Boba Fett is being handled now, um, but I really do like the uh, art and the colors from John Cassidy and Laura Martin. Like they're really good. I really like how this is drawn. It looks great to me. This is how I want the comic book to look. I hope. I hope they stay with the this book. I'm not sure if they are, but I hope they do. So I will give it to two Death Stars. Ryan. I'm going to go at two as well. I've been enjoying this. I'm not terribly down on the, some of the, like the FET characterization or a lot of the other things. I'm kind of going with it. Nothing, I mean, as far as story-wise, to just go with the story, nothing really seems that out of the ordinary to me. I mean, Boba Fett's a bad guy. He'll do whatever it takes to get a name. I, I can get that. Uh, Han Solo's a smuggler. You know, he's going to have these places around the galaxy. I can go with that. I, there's nothing that's that's screaming to me that, that this is wrong, so I could go with the whole story as it's going. Carlos? I'm going to go with two dead stars on this one. I'm still reeling from issue number three. If you remember what my question back then was, is what's in the box? Issue number four didn't answer the question, and now issue number five has not answered the question, what's in the box? So I'm still kind of like, hey, this is kind of going a little bit slow, too, with the Han and Leia uh, back and forth. Um, the Boba Fett you know, we we talked about that already, but the uh, overall, it just seems like it's slowed down quite a bit. And I know Star Wars is going to be an ongoing uh, for a while, so I know there's a lot more coming. But I think this one just significantly slowed down quite a bit. So two stars, two death stars. 
I'm going to go with one Death Star for this. I don't. I didn't like the characterization of Boba, as I've stated. I didn't like the, the fact that Han just conveniently has planets around all the time that he's familiar with. I don't like that Obi-Wan, I'm sorry, that Luke is already set up to face Boba Fett. I think the Han and Leia is, banter is, again, getting repetitive, like we've said. So this just isn't striking the tones I want. I don't want to be critical on this book. I really don't. I don't want to not like it, but it's not doing it for me right now. So I'll be honest with myself and give it one Death Star. Now that was it for new Star Wars comics. Uh, Princess Leia was delayed, uh, not delayed, but it was pushed back to the first week of uh, June, so we'll be covering that in our next issue. But we did have uh, the very last week, May 27, 2015, we had Star Wars number two was released. Uh, now nothing new about this issue other than its cover, and this cover was the fourth print cover variant. And much like many of the issues that have come out, these books just keep getting reprinted like crazy. Uh, Star Wars, I think, is is it in sixth printing now, Carlos? Sure is. Yeah. So Number my one. question, my question, I guess, is uh, what are your guys' thoughts on these on on the popularity of these books? Are this is this some artificial demand that Marvel is doing by just keep releasing print cover variants for poor people like um, Carlos will have to pick up? <laughs> or is this a true reflection of how popular these books are and fans just can't get enough of them and want more and more and more? Jason, we'll start with you. What do you think? Is this legit or is this something, you know, uh, uh, thing that Marvel's pulling? I don't know. This is kind of – this is getting – I, it's kind of bizarre that they're still printing issue one. I didn't think there was a shortage of it. Um, the only the only comic out of any of these Marvel comics that I actually thought there was a legitimate shortage of was the Darth Vader number three. That one went fast and was hard for 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 me and a, and a, and a few other people I know to track down. Um, but why they're still reprinting issue number one, I don't know. Are they reselling it over and over to the same people? Or are people getting on board now and can't find one of the first printings? And I, It's just kind of strange. Um, I can't imagine this book will uh, long-term hold its value <laughs> because of this. But, uh, you know, I don't collect the comics for value anyway, so it doesn't really bother me. But kind of weird. Ryan, are you... Have, do, do you believe this is true reprints that are truly needed? I'm I'm guessing there's a combination here of a little bit of uh, high demand for these comics and a little bit of, hey, let's put out some more because people will buy them type of things. Um, I guess a little bit of both. Uh, I, where that line is in between that, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't say it's all the way one or the other. Okay, that's a very good point. I mean, we are all action figure collectors on this call right now, so we're all used to, you know, being manipulated by companies because they know we'll buy it if they, well, for example, I paid twelve ninety nine in tax just this week for a Luke Hoff action figure black series that I already had because they decided to change the elbow joint color from gray, which was incorrect, to tan. I mean, they know we'll do that. They know we'll do that. So, Carlos, what's your thoughts? You're the one that's uh, paying the most for all these. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I'm paying. I'm don't pay more than cover price, so don't you know? Don't don't think I go out and spend a bundle on these. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Um, you know, I've talked to collectors on both sides of the of the coast, east coast, west coast. Um, out here, I can go to my comic book store, and they've got Star Wars number one first print through sec through fifth print, sixth print now, all on the shelf. They're all readily available, so there's no real demand here for it. But yet, the Marvel still keeps pumping them out. Whereas a friend of mine back in the East Coast is telling me that he can't find Star Wars uh, number one first through fifth print. So the sixth print was, you know, he bought that one. I I don't know if it's a distribution issue, kind of like how we see Hasbro distributing stuff. Uh, but Diamond Distribution, basically, um, they're the ones that put in the orders through retailers to directly to Marvel. Uh, when Marvel says they sell out or that they um, have... Um, you know, made such a dollar amount on comics, that's just distribution. That's not actual retail. So a lot of these are sitting on shelves. I, I Every time a new printing comes out, I kind of tend to just go on eBay real quick to see what the first print is going for if it's still on there. And I still see plenty of number, you know, the first print of those numbers uh, readily available. So I kind of tend to think that it's more uh, kind of a hype Thing that perhaps Marvel's doing, just cashing in on the on the name for now with the movie coming out. Um, but I'm not seeing that shortage now. The prints may be printed in in less numbers, uh, and I think exclusive for especially for number Star Wars number one. I don't think that the second, third, fourth printings ha- are are anywhere near what the first printing was as far as numbers wise. Because I see a lot more first prints still out there than the second. You know, it's harder to find a second print than it is first print. So um, it may be just you know they're capitalizing on collectors thinking, oh, this this is going to be the second print's going to be worth more than the first print. Nah, I don't know. I mean, uh, again, I don't collect for value either, but. It just doesn't seem like there's a reason to it, and if it's just a money grab, then you know Marvel's doing an expert marketing campaign with their distribution that way. Well, that's going to wrap up the eighth issue of Star Wars Spinner Rack. We want to thank you guys all for coming out and talking Star Wars comics. Carlos, again, thank you for uh, bringing your wealth of knowledge to the show. We appreciate that. For folks who are heading to San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Carlos, they might have a opportunity to stop by and say hi yes please do we'll be at the uh, san diego star wars society booth uh, up in the mezzanine level and you'll probably find me running around the marvel hasbro hot wheels booth after exclusives uh and again if, if uh for you guys that are that are part of the podcast here um uh let me know what you guys are looking for if you're not going to be there i can always try to get my friends and myself to probably buy a couple extra of everything so Ooh, help each other out as much as we can I'm going to take you up on that for sure. I appreciate that. And uh, you also find Ryan. He'll be sleeping in the park waiting for <laughs> Hall H to open up. Yeah, that'll probably be all right. Or, or you know, on the sales floor uh, trying to find stuff. Um, I, I will not offer to pick anybody else up stuff because I've done that before, and it becomes a pain in the butt. I'm sorry, but uh, when I've done that, it it just became too much work, and uh, anybody who's ever been to San Diego Comic-Con, it's hard enough to get in everything that you want to do as it is. Yeah, no promises, just, you know, but two or three of them, yeah, two, but not, you know, not every listener to this podcast, because I know there's a... Right, right. I mean, if, if I could pick up a, a Stormtrooper, if I get in the Hasbro line and I make it through that, and I get a Stormtrooper, I will buy up to the limit of what they'll they'll sell me, but uh, I make no promises. <laughs> and, uh, Jason, you'll... Uh... 
You'll find Jason uh, on his lunch breaks hitting targets in the Seattle area. Yeah, Target, Looking Fred for... Meyer, <laughs> Toys R Us. So if you need him to pick you up anything from uh, Fred Meyer's, maybe some shampoo have... or something. He Significant. Can... I, I have a significant uh, surcharge, though, for picking stuff up if uh, anyone wants anything. <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, gentlemen, thanks for coming out. And talking Star Wars comics, it was not a banner month for me at all. I'm still <laughs> like, I'm still liking Kanan the most. I'm and struggling. That, and just uh, for the record, they have not changed the uh, back cover ad. No, nope. <laughs> Year month five, we're still going strong with the Black Series. Those two figures were in the store like a year ago, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't even find these figures. You, you can't even get uh, these. Figures. I think it's a subliminal message. I might go out and actually buy them. <laughs> I've got some pretty sweet Japanese six inch faders that just destroy that thing now. So. <laughs> or you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing lots of new uh, cloaks and robes and tunics for that Jedi Luke pop up on uh, eBay. Like people have started crafting. Jason, you have one of them, right? Yes, I bought one. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the seller. If I I could, I'd give him a shout out. But uh, yeah, I bought a custom Luke. Uh, cloak and it's awesome i love it you got the cloak the one i, I need saw. a vest now i need a vest yeah the tunic is what i saw this earlier this week it was awesome all right well thanks for listening to the star wars spinner rack if you have questions or you want to comment on the show you can email us at galaxy of toys at gmail.com also find us on twitter and facebook at galaxy of toys and listen to previous episodes of any of our shows you can find those on iTunes, Zoom, Stitcher, Smart Radio. Zoom still around, Jason? Still around. Go to Zoom. Uh, <laughs> get, get yourself a Zoom account. Just do a search for Galaxy of Toys. We'll pop right up. Awesome. Zoom was supposed can... to close down like about two years ago, and it hasn't. So I'm still using it. I'm still a loyal Zoom user. Didn't they just retire Beta, Beta Max tapes like a year <laughs> or two ago? So. I still get I still get all my podcasts on Zoom. <laughs> Too funny. And you can also find uh, all of our shows also on our uh, copy page, which is found at www.galaxyandtoys.podbean.com. And I'm Jake Stevens, and until next month, may the force and the funny books be with you. <laughs>